My name is Daryl Temple. Uh, Will, thank you for wanting to pray for me. I appreciate it. I'm just going to receive it as if you did it, okay? Um, but uh, I am uh, the pastor of Hilltop Church. I co-lead with my wife and a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with a handful of leaders. And uh, trust me, you're in good hands. You're in good hands at this church. Um, with that being said, uh, I apologize for worship. My ears, which are, um, they're called in-ears. They're a monitoring system. I feel it necessary to explain because um, I'm a music, uh, I'm a musician, and so I, I hate bad worship. Uh, but my ears were cutting in and cutting out. I could not keep them consistent, so I, I apologize. Just try to muscle through. Um, hopefully, you were blessed by it. Um, but uh, thank you. Yes, all, all my closest friends are like, "Yeah, that was a blessing." <laughs> Anyways, I felt it felt it fit to tell you. Um, we're gonna uh, talk about something that's been stirring in my heart for some good time now. I thought originally we'd turn it into a, a series, but um, through the last couple of days and weeks, the Lord has been really redirecting uh, my heart and my wife's heart to really focus on the topic of prayer um, coming up, yeah, uh, in the next couple of weeks. And, um, uh, but before we do that, um, I, I, I've titled this sermon Tethered, uh, and I, I kind of just want to get into some some things here. I don't want, I want to get ahead of myself, so I don't want to explain too much. So if you'd allow me just to make an awkward transition and get right into it. Uh, the teaching text for today is actually John 15. We're going to read verses 4 through 11. I'm sure that this particular chapter is um, known by many. It, it's some, a, a text of which I'm sure many are familiar with. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite chapters in the gospel. Uh, these are the words of Jesus, starting in verse 4, and he says this. Uh, we can probably put it up. Yeah, it's on the overhead if you don't have a Bible. But here's the words of Christ. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can, do not, you can do nothing, excuse me. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, wow, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you. That my joy may be in you. And that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you collectively as a body. And Lord, we ask that you would reveal some treasure, some precious things about your kingdom using the words of your son. Father, I ask that in the name of Jesus, you would give us ears to hear what it is Christ is saying through these passages. Father, I ask God that if anyone be 
spiritually deaf today, I ask Holy Spirit, go before my words and open their ears that they might hear. And by hearing, perceive. And by perceiving, giving glory to Jesus. I ask this. I ask this in your great son's name. Amen. Amen. Little statistics here. In September of 2019, I, I don't know if you read uh, the particular uh, published group, but The Atlantic had actually published an article titled, Three Decades Ago, American, or America, excuse me, Lost Its Religion. Why? Essentially, in the article, the author explains how the term not religious became America's predominant identity as the rise of atheism swept through the country in the late 90s. I like to read just a little excerpt from that piece, if you'd allow me. I found it pretty interesting. I wouldn't recommend reading this article. It's very biased in many ways, but um, this particular part stuck out and, and resonated with me as it relates, I believe, to this sermon. Let me just read a little bit from that. In the late 19th century, an array of celebrity philosophers, the likes of Friedrich Nietzsche, Karl Marx, and Sigmund Freud, proclaimed the death of God and predicted that atheism would follow scientific discovery sure as smoke follows fire. Stubbornly pious Americans threw a wrench in that secularization thesis uh, deep into the 20th century, more uh, than 10 Americans said they believed in God and belonged to some kind of religious organization, with the great majority of them calling themselves Christians. That number has held steadily uh, through the sexual revolu revolution excuse me, of the 60s and through the uh, rootless uh, and anxious 70s and through the greed is good 80s. But in the 1990s, the historical tether between American identity and faith snapped. Religious non-affiliation in the U.S. started to rise and rise and rise. By the early 2000s, the share of Americans who said they didn't associate with any established religion, also known as the nuns, I think they need a better name, had doubled by 2010. This grab bag of atheists, agnostics, and spiritual dabblers had tripled in size. Now, when I read this, I get a bit sober. I, 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 I get a bit sad. I'm like, man, what's, what's going on in our country? Um, but mostly when I read this, I, I ask myself really the same question that the psalmist asked. In Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and I'm sure, again, this is a very popular portion of Scripture, and there's a lot of historical overlaps that were taking place in Psalms chapter 2 that currently are taking place in America. Now, the chapter starts off in verse 1 with the psalmist David, and we know it's David because Peter said it was in the book of Acts because he cited uh, David in Acts chapter 4. But the Psalms actually starts off with why, <laughs> you know? And, and I read the details of this article and, and I myself ask myself why. But let's read that text if you want to put it up on the overhead. Psalms 2, 1 through 3. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Now, I'd like you to draw your attention to verse three, because I think that particular passage in this cluster of verses uh, uh, resonates most with the article statistics that I just brought up. Let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords away from us. This is an interesting uh, way of wanting to do away with what I would call the cords of Christ's commandments. Part of me, when I see what's going on in the world today, I ask myself, and I'm sure you do too, maybe you flip on the television screen, you open you know, Google, and, and you look at the news or whatever, however it is you get your news, and, and, and you ask yourself this question, and probably even pray it, but why would any society want to untether itself from their faith? Why would anyone want to loose themselves from the grace of God? I don't think I'm educated enough to answer this question, and it's really not even the point of my sermon. My main concern is for the church, and this is where I want us to buckle up, because if you think that this has only impacted culture, we need to think differently because it's definitely impacted more than culture. It has impacted the church. Barna president David Kinnaman published a book in 2011 called You Lost Me. The book detailed how millions of young Christians were disconnecting from the local church as they transitioned into um, adulthood. I almost said Hollywood, but adulthood. Barna's research made the claim that of just about 59% of young adults with a Christian background had dropped out of the church at some point in their 20s. Many just for a time, but a lot for good. Now, 11 years later, research from Kinnaman's new book, Faith for Exiles, revealed that the church dropout problem rose from 59% to 64%. The reality is this, 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church, according to Barna, had withdrawn from the church uh, as they cross over into adulthood. They had some point of reference, some connection as a child and as a teen. But in their 18 to 20-ish age, they just, they gave up, they threw in the towel. Now, this is even more sobering news. But I, I think this is what happens when, when God's people See God's statues as shackles. If we're not careful, we start viewing God's statues as means of control, right? Rather than means that are meant to bring freedom into our life. Listen to the New Living Translations version of Psalms 2, 3. Here's what they say in that translation. Let us break their chains. Break the chains of the Lord, they cry. And, and free ourselves from slavery to God. The people are actually using language associated with slavery. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never known in the 20 plus years of following Christ, I, I've never known God 
to save people for the purpose of controlling them. God liberates, right? He, he's not an oppressor. He's not a tyrant. He, he's a deliverer. But he uses certain measures and means to do his freeing work. And those measures often confuse us and they're hard to understand. We, we confuse them with him trying to hinder us rather than help us. Now, I'm moving rather quickly here because of announcements, but an example of this is in the text that we just read in John chapter 15. We can go back to verse 10 if you would um, on the overhead. Verse 10 of John 15. Jesus said that if we keep his commandments, we'll abide in his love. Just as he kept his father's commandments and abided in the father's love. What could be more helpful in life-giving, freeing and assuring than abiding in Jesus' love? I can't think of anything, really. Can, can you? I, I, I really can't. I, I can't think of anything more beautiful uh, than, than that picture, abiding in the love of Christ. Now, let me ask a question. On the flip side, what about keeping his commandments? Is that as beautiful and wonderful and freeing and assuring to you as abiding in his love is? Hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. But sadly, tragically, for most it's not. For most it's not. We see the commandments of Christ as burdensome. One, because we don't really view ourselves as being able to live up to them, right? We view God's commandments is like, you know, a way to kind of control us and strong arm us. But here, what 1 John 5, 3 says, if you want to put that up on the overhead, 1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. <laughs> and his commandments are what? Not, are burdensome? No, are not burdensome. Do you feel more burdened by Jesus's commandments today? Or do you see yourself free and liberated by them because they actually call you and I into living a countercultural life? I'm so grateful for the front row. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This wasn't in the text that I submitted to the staff. I'm sorry. But we've gone over this enough in previous weeks. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, take up my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. And this is what Jesus proclaims about himself. I am gentle, lowly of heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. The cords of Christ's commands are cords we want to stay tethered to. Let me, let me just clarify what I mean by the commands of Christ, if I could. I, I, I'm not trying to, or I should say, I'm not talking about the Mosaic law. I, I'm talking about the laws of Christ, which are, are simply like, you know, 
uh, take the log out of your own eye before you go to your brother and talk to him about his speck, you know, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We all do that. I know. Uh, Love your enemies, right? Um, Reconciliation with your brothers. Uh, uh, Jesus talked about lust. He talked about divorce and retaliation. I mean, the gospel of Matthew is full of the commands of Christ. And those are the commands that we want to be tethered to. Now, just to sympathize a bit, I had the hardest time as a 20-something understanding how these things work together. I, I struggled massively, massively with obeying Jesus. It didn't come naturally. I, I, I remember many times thinking, how could God require something from me that is not easy for me to give? I, I felt miserable and, and hypocritical because of it. I, I, I mean, for me, like the thought of Loving your enemies was so offensive to me. So offensive to me. Like, God, how could you require that of me? You know what I want to do to my enemies. And it's not to love them. And so I understand that, that, that this can be hard. But yet, I'll just say this. Um, that struggle almost ended my walk of faith. It really did. Years and years laboring under, uh, forgive my enemies. Uh, one, because I was born and raised in a family where if you're our enemy, oh, you're our enemy. Like, and we're going to treat you as such, right? You know, you're, you've been labeled, you've been tagged, we're coming after you. Good thing social media didn't exist back then. Because we'd be like tweeting, you know, and using names and throwing stones that way, right? But, but seriously, it was an offense to me. And it was really, really hard for me to grapple with and understand. It almost ended me. And I ran into, at that time, Matthew 7. Specifically, verses 13 and 14. Uh, another very popular set of verses. But this is where Jesus says... Uh, For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. (laughs) And then he goes on, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it, and you could actually replace find with choose. Those who choose it are few. See, I had been sold such a lie in the early days of my faith that, that, that signing up with Jesus was like everything was going to become happy. Everything was going to go my way. I might get a girlfriend. I might get a bigger bank. I don't know. It was just weird, weird to be in the charismatic church around that time. When you, when you gave your heart to Jesus, nobody told me how hard it was going to be. And when I stumbled and I ran into the words of Jesus, that desire to want to, you know, go after and somehow hurt my enemies started to be lifted. I started to realize that this walk, this journey of faith isn't easy. And over the course of years, 
I remember being transformed as I walked the narrow way and as I tried to get in to the narrow gate. Praise God that the enemy wasn't able to take me because it, it really came down to the wire. But I guess my point is here is that sometimes, especially in America, we are sold such a bill of goods, aren't we, in the church? We're, 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 it's almost as, and, and you can hear it on social media, you can hear it, you know, and, and services. I, I'm a service guy. After today, I will zone out and watch about five different services, maybe like three minutes of each service of just churches I'm, I'm interested in and just like, what's going on? What's being talked about? And, and for the most part, a lot of the content is good, but there is a lot of bad, bad content out there. People trying to, to sell this, this false gospel that, that things are going to be easier. You know, that, that God's not going to mess with your stuff. Let me tell you guys, when I chose to give and surrender my life to Jesus, the first thing he started doing was messing with my stuff. And it wasn't easy. And I want to just throw like a net out for anyone who feels like their faith is very fragile today. You're here and... Man, you fall right in line to some of the statistics that I read earlier. And you feel like that tether between you and Christ are about ready to snap. I just want to cast a net here in this room this morning and just plead with you and, and, and plead with you not to give up. Don't, don't give up. Like, like persevere. Yeah, it's a good place to clap. If you're going to do it, just commit. But don't give up. Don't let the statistics win. Don't let the polls and the data be true. Obedience is hard. It is really hard. And to see that our level of obedience, I'll just say this, determines our level of connection, of abiding in Jesus' love is, is shocking. It is absolutely startling. Let's listen to C.S. Lewis. Just a little blurb from him. He says this, obedience is the key that opens every door. I think that that statement agrees so much to what Jesus is saying in John 15, 10. My question is, and this is where I'll wrap it up. My question for us this morning is, will we be the people who choose the narrow gate? Will you be that person? If so, the way in which you will survive passing through this narrow way is being tethered to the cords of Jesus' commands. Don't cast them off because things get hard. Don't cast them off because you think maybe, like I did some years ago, that actually loving my enemies is just too hard 
It's, it's too much in the way for me to sincerely follow Christ the way I feel as though he wants me to. Don't let those things stand in the way. Tether yourself to them. Walk that narrow way. Pass through that narrow gate. Come out a new creation. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, that a new boldness and courage would rest upon our church. Lord, a boldness, Lord, that, that resolves that we won't be part of the statistics. God, that, that, that we will tie ourselves to Christ. That we will, no matter what the cost, no matter how hard it is, choose obedience, Lord. Obedience to Christ as his followers. Obedience to his ways. Ah, oh, Father, I ask in Jesus' mighty name, give us courage, Lord. If there's any places, Lord, when we observe the commandments of Christ, we say, oh, that's just too much. Like that, that rich young ruler who said, no, I, I, I can't give everything. You've got to be crazy, Father. Let us be unlike that ruler, God. Let us give it all, Lord, holding nothing back. Give us a courage and a boldness to do such, Jesus. Father, I pray for those this morning who feel just on the edge of frail faith. Lord, they just, they're trying. God, I pray, Lord, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, a new strength would fill them. A, a, a new determination to persevere would fill them. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, God. Oh, Lord, that they would have this, this, this I'm not going to give up, Lord. Uh, growing in the pit, in the gut, Lord. I ask in Jesus' mighty name, Lord, give them a holy resolve to beat the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your words. Let them lay root in our hearts and in our lives, transforming us into the image of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If I could have ASAP.